One thing I would love to invite your leaders who are listening to this into is a perspective that says, my creative nature is actually part of my inner makeup, who I am. It's not just a thing to go do or something that some people have. It's my intelligence. It's my love. It's my passion for life. It's all these things. And if I can look at every situation, say, how could I make this more artful? This interaction, this business plan, this meeting, this strategy session, that that brings a different perspective. And it often moves me from feeling sort of like the victim of circumstances, like, oh my God, my schedule is so full today. Uh, you know, how will I find time? When I look at it and say, how can I make this day artful? Um, and even that question will often bring me back into a more, more resourceful place saying, oh my God, I am living the life I dreamed of 10 years ago. I'm dreamed of this life. Um, how can I bring that passion and that gratitude into each one of these interactions that before just looked like a long list of meetings? It can change things, you know? Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. Last week, I talked about defeating self-doubt and silencing your inner critic. So this is a perfect episode to follow that because I have a special guest who also knows a lot about that and how common it is for people to not feel good enough. He talks about leadership in a way we don't often get to experience. I really appreciate the depth he brings to the conversation as we explore the value of creativity and imagination in your life, your work, your leadership, and your business. Jacob Nordby is the author of The Divine Arsonist, Blessed Are the Weird, and The Creative Cure. He's a passionate researcher and teacher of creativity, healing, and human potential. Jacob is co-founder of the Institute for Creative Living Foundation and a writing room community with Anne Lamott and others who I had the chance to experience last year. He loves to invite others into lives of joy and healthy creative expression on all levels. So you can learn more about his work at jacobnordby.com. What's evident about Jacob is the way in which he models self-discovery and realignment in his own life. It's something I continue to do in my life and work as well. He talks about getting to the root of issues, the challenge people have and not placing enough value on their natural gifts. We talk about imposter syndrome, the signals we need to send to our inner selves. And he offers three great questions for you to incorporate as a daily practice. I know you'll want to write those down. Your role is so much more than working your to-do list every day. By taking care of your inner self first, you expand your capacity to be a positive creative force in your life, business, and in the world. Enjoy my conversation with Jacob Nordby. Jacob, welcome to CEO On The Go. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm glad to be here, Gail. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I know um, I first came across you when I attended the writing room in Santa Fe last year, and it was such a great experience and knew then that you'd be able to bring some value to my audience, to leaders, especially as it relates to thinking more imaginatively and creatively. So um, 
I thought it might be helpful just to share a little bit of your background as CEO and, and business owner so that people can get a sense for who you are and why you do the work that you do, which I think is really powerful. So why don't we start there? Yeah, so I was involved in several enterprises um, in my 30s and uh, mostly in the financial services world. Um, but we also built a um, software as a service company called Velmo.com that recently sold. And so I've been I've been in that role in the chair of CEO a lot of times. And then very recently in the last couple of years, stepped back in. I took about 10 or 15 years out to write and to really go into self-discovery to say, what what can I really give myself to? So I love your audience. <laughs> self-discovery is really important. I think a lot of the um, the leaders at least many that I work with, don't know how to go about the process. They just know, like you see these indicators. I think something needs to shift and I'm not sure what. So what are, what are those indicators? What are some of the top ones you're thinking of right now? What are those indicators? Sometimes it's midlife where kids have gone off to college um, or that you're caring for a loved one. I just did a podcast episode on that recently when you're having to care for someone where you're having to shift your priorities and you see that work isn't uh, all that it has been in the past, or you just know that it needs to be different going forward, but you don't really know how. Um, gosh, there's so many indicators. You know, sometimes people are just stressed or burned out, tired. Yeah, you know, I read Seth Godin's little book, The Dip, when I was going through tremendous burnout and also really needing to get myself realigned in my life. And um, that was so helpful because it helped me distinguish between just quitting, which is was against my religion, um, and and saying, okay, I'm no longer on the path with heart. What do I need to do? Um, so that was a really helpful one for me. But all the indicators you just mentioned are so, so familiar. I've lived through them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... What do you suggest? I I like writing personally. I know you do, but not everybody does. And some people are intimidated by that. So uh, we'd just love to get your thoughts about maybe introducing writing in a way and not like writing no novels necessarily. It could be just a few thoughts a day um, to, to begin creating some of those shifts. What would that look like maybe for people who are not at all familiar with, with writing or journaling? If you don't mind, I want to I want to go upstream a ways from that, um, Gail. In um, several years ago, when I was really asking the question, why do a lot of people say I'm not that creative? What is going on? Because I had written a previous book, Blessed Other Weird, and that kind of attracted the usual suspects. The people who say, "Yes, I'm creative. I'm I'm out there." Um, but a lot of people would come to me and say, "I really liked your book, but I'm just not that creative." And about the, that time, there was this World Economic Forum report that came out and said they do it every five years, and they say these are the skills you're going to need to develop to survive and thrive in your in your career. And creativity had moved up on the list from the previous five-year study from number 10 to number three. And there were some other things that had come in, such as empathy and other skills that had no had never been on the list before. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting clue. If really big data, big money um, is behind this understanding that we need some of these things to come in, such as creativity, why is it that so many of us don't understand it or think it's only for a very certain number of people? So I did a study of my own with 10,000 people and the response, and I asked, what's your greatest creative challenge? The number one response was, I doubt my talents and abilities. I don't think I'm good enough. So that, that really became my understanding was that it goes so far below the surface of, I need to get a little more creative or learn how to think a little more freely or imaginatively. Those are super important, but 
what I've discovered, Gail, is that many of these messages we internalize between the ages of zero and eight um, tell us that that's just your imagination. Um, you aren't good enough. Um, don't put yourself out there, all of those things. So I love dealing with the root. Um, often in going that direction, though, we have to start um, slow. And so I love writing as a practice that if people say, I'm not a writer, I don't want anyone else to read my work, then I say, that's wonderful. However, learning to use writing as a way to dialogue with yourself and explore um, ideas and even move into a more resourceful state, that's what I use journaling for every single day. Mm, I'm so glad that you moved the conversation in that direction and got deeper in terms of what some of the key really the, the key issues are that people face of not thinking they're good enough, even in senior executive roles, when there's so much pressure to not show that at all, to be confident, to know the answers, to make the decisions, you know, f- be more decisive, stay strong. But to your point, the the ones who can, can see or admit maybe there's that little voice in there that they still need to deal with. So many, so many people experience imposter syndrome, you know, kind of linked to that that too. (laughs) Well, and I, here's the other thing, Gail, is to me, imposter syndrome often, you know, I've certainly lived with that often in my life, but as I've studied it, it feels as if imposter syndrome is often an experience when we are sharing, when we're expressing our actual native gifts, our natural gifts. Um, And because it comes so easily, we often think I didn't have to earn that. Um, they're going to figure out that this is way too easy for me. And I had that experience in writing. So in business, I would sit down at the desk of one of my uh, salespeople and they say, I'm struggling to write this letter. And so I would just write it real quick and in under two minutes. And they're like, that's magic. How did you do it? I'm like, that's, that was nothing. I, I didn't place any value on the gift that I had because it came so easily. And so um, one thing I love to do with leaders is when they're, you know, being willing to be vulnerable and talk about it. It's like, why, why do I always feel like an imposter? And often as we do the self-discovery, we discover you've been exercising your natural gifts all of your life. And I find that the more they're able to accept that, the, the more that imposter syndrome can go away and they become much more confident in expressing who they really are at work. Mm-hmm. That takes some time. It doesn't happen overnight. I mentioned uh, before we started talking that you had led a session toward the, the beginning of the new year prompting uh, people like me to think about what they want in the new year. And I just, I like the idea. I often send prompts to my clients before meetings, uh, some of the CEO peer groups that I run, just a, something to, to make them think a little differently, or it's not the same, oh, what are your goals? What are the measures of success? What's your strategy questions that they get thrown at all the time? So I'd be curious to know some possible prompts that you might suggest for for leaders in general. You know, one thing I think is difficult for leaders is, and you mentioned it earlier, Gail, this um, sort of suit of armor that we need to present to people who are following us, who depend upon us. And so a lot of times we can ignore the signals or the information that's already in our inner selves. And so by making a daily practice of asking three questions in journaling, um, I love this because it, and I'll tell you why, but it, it opens up that connection to our inner selves, our intuition, and also helps us admit things privately in the safety of our own pages. I need this. This is how I'm feeling right now. Um, and sometimes those things aren't safe to say in the boardroom, you know? Um, so I start the, I start my journaling with the first question being, um, how do I feel right now? 
Um, and it's interesting by answering that we're sending a signal to our inner self, to our deep psyche that says, I matter, my needs matter, um, my feelings matter. And there are a lot of messages that we receive early in life and then throughout life that our feelings don't matter. Um, so a couple of sentences there. Well, how do I feel right now? Uh, second question is, what do I need right now? And what's interesting is it's often something very prosaic, like I need to pee. I really need a nap. <laughs> I need <Yeah>. to drink. <laughs> I need more time outside. Um, and But it, then, then it can move on from there sometimes to more existential questions. But it's fascinating. Again, sending that signal to our inner self. What do I, what do I need right now? Um, and then the third question, and I have them in, the, in these order for a very specific reason. The third question is more of a creative, imaginative one, which says, what would I love to create today? Um, and it doesn't have to be just today. What would I love to create? Sometimes that turns into a few pages of imagining this future. And that brings me into a more resourceful state. But a lot of times if I'm going through something difficult or stressful. I can't see that far down the road. So what would I love to create today? Or I sometimes alternate with, how would I love to feel? And if I start that with, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and use that phrase as a prompt for that question, it helps me move into a different part of my brain and begin, um, no matter what kind of stresses I'm into at the moment, it helps me move aside from those for a moment and go, wait, I am a powerful creator in my life. And if I'm going to step out from the, the stress pool for a minute and just stand here and remind myself, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. These are the things that I care about. And if I'm walking into a stressful day with meetings that might have conflict, I might go, I want to create a day of understanding and resolution and harmony as much as possible, but really get to the truth. It just helps me, um, it helps me create sort of a North star for my day. Yeah. I love that you're using the word create. I think it's more powerful. Yeah. In contrast, I think what often leaders typically ask is what do I need to do today? And there's a, di there's a distinction between do and create. And I think create offers more power. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great tip for for leaders to think about is what what can they create? What would that look like? Well, I think it's so interesting, Gail, whatever the path one takes to get to that role of CEO. The truth is that we we often get so stressed out in this role, you know, and responding to the needs and seeking to grow a company that sometimes we can really sort of lose track of why of of and also not of why, but also the power and responsibility of that position. Um, so if we're basically running through task lists every day, which of course all of us do, sometimes if we can remind ourselves that, you know, I'm in this position um, and it carries a lot of responsibility, but also it carries the joy of knowing that I can influence outcomes in ways that not everybody has the chance to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a different, different role. You can look at it through different lenses. So um and make it what you want, I would argue, you know, that there's no, especially in today's times, there's not this classic model that you need to fit. Uh, organizations are changing so much, the environment's changing so much. So it's a real opportunity for leaders to kind of step into their own role and their own way a lot more than I think it used to be, um, to show different sides of themselves, the more human side of themselves than perhaps they were given permission to do years ago. I have a question for you because you're working with so many people um, in this role. When you ask your clients or seek to like invite them into 
more imagination, more imagination, more more of a creative experience or even perspective. What are what are some of the things that come back to you? Like, what is the resistance or the reluctance that you might hear there sometimes? It varies. That's a great question. Sometimes it's the realist that that stops the process. Like, okay, yeah, we can imagine all day, but okay, here here's our budget. Here's what we have to do. We have these other priorities right now. So sometimes you see people who, uh, not meaning to, can even shut down the process just by using reality as the excuse that we need to stay realistic here. Um, and then the other feedback that I get, <clears throat> and this is really interesting, is like, like, is this right? Am I doing this the right way? Like there's a right way or a wrong way to imagine because they're simply not used to being able to think so differently about what's possible. So it's it's kind of like exercising a muscle. Like, is, am I doing this in the right way? And so I like to say there's no right or wrong. Just keep practicing, you know, thinking so differently and considering possibilities that they haven't considered before. Um, sometimes there can be cultural impediments. I work with organizations that say, we want to be innovative. We want to think bigger. You know, we've got to get ahead of the pack. And then people will throw out ideas and they get shot down. <laughs> you know, no, we can't do that, but we still need to think bigger. So you have to have that culture where people feel safe and um, where the flow of ideas, as crazy as they may sound, are valued and considered. So, and, and sometimes it just takes time too. That's the other pushback that I see is we don't have time to do that. Like that's going to take a lot of time for us to really think about something entirely new or to be more creative. We have to get back to work. Yeah. And one thing, Ooh, I love all of these things. I, one thing I would love to invite your leaders who are listening to this into is a perspective that says my creative nature is actually part of my inner makeup, who I am. It's not just a thing to go do or something that some people have. It's my intelligence. It's my love. It's my passion for life. It's all these things. And if I can look at every situation and say, how could I make this more artful, this interaction, this business plan, this meeting, this strategy session, that, that brings a different perspective. And it often moves me from feeling sort of like the victim of circumstance, like, oh my God, my schedule is so full today. Uh, you know, how will I find time? When I look at it and say, how can I make this day artful? Um, and even that question will often bring me back into a more, more resourceful place saying, oh my God, I am living the life I dreamed of 10 years ago. I'm dreamed of this life. Um, how can I bring that passion and that gratitude into each one of these interactions that before just looked like a long list of meetings? It can change things, you know? Mm -hmm. I like that you're asking yourself, how can I come from a most resourceful place? That's a great question. Yeah. How can I come from a resourceful place? Ooh, and you actually, you asked me before the show, like some prompts, and we shared my sort of very interpersonal um, prompts that I use all the time. But that that question, how can I dot, 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 it's one of my favorite creative questions to ask, because often we choose the binary. It's like, well, I can't have that because of this. Uh, I can't do that because of this. And the creative question finds a third path. It says, how can I, let's say, take care of my obligations to my family and my responsibilities and experience greater freedom in my life? Whereas before it seemed like a, a choice between two things that just could not work together. Um, 
when I ask how can I, and especially a, a dear friend of mine um, demonstrated this for me one time. She said, make a list, but especially let yourself be outrageous on the list because you're not going to mess it up. Um, you're not going to do something ridiculous, but actually let yourself think of the most outrageous solutions to this problem. Well, I could burn my house down and move to a different country and change my name. Not going to do that. But hey, it's a possibility. It's one of the options. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I love that question. I'd love to hear more about how you apply it. How can I dot, dot, dot? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good, a good question. Um, yeah. And for me personally, when I um, think about that, I pay a lot of attention to my energy. I have to maintain positive energy, make sure I'm coming from a place where if I'm making decisions, uh, you know, that I'm in a good place to do that. So it's in a way, it's just becoming more conscious of how I'm feeling as I'm making decisions. And I would encourage my clients to do the same. It's so easy to be in the heat of the moment and say something or do something that you would regret. So yeah, coming from a place of being more resourceful requires that I be calm and steady and clear-minded. Yeah, so good. I'm curious to know, do you think creativity can be taught knowing that it's like one of the top skills that executives, you know, that, that people are looking for executives to have? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is it something you can teach or cultivate? How, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the mechanics of most things can be taught. One thing that I love, Gail, is understanding that my creativity has never been diminished and no one, no one on the planet, your creativity is as strong as it was when you were born. Um, what can happen is we, we have the connection between our conscious usual selves and our creative inner self can get full of static. It, the, the connection can get lost or, or damaged. Um, and so what I encourage people to do is go through some practical steps. And Julia Cameron does a beautiful job with this in the artist way. You know, and it's like some of these things don't make a lot of sense. Go on an artist date. Just go walk around in a kid's bookstore and read a, a book that I used to love as a child or something. The truth is, though, that by doing that and using the morning pages practice, uh, by whatever name we call that, um, we we clear the rubbish off the top of the stream and we find that what's in there wants to come out. So I feel like, yes, it can be taught, but I prefer rather than just taking people through a set of rote actions, it's more like let's get you back in touch with your aliveness because to me aliveness and creativity are the same thing i love that it's like you you need to learn how to tap into it versus learn something brand new that you've already had it all along so yeah strengthening the connection to something that you already have within that's a powerful place yeah i like that frame Good. Well, I know that we're sort of getting toward the end of our time together, but just wanted to see if you have some final thoughts or tips, advice for leaders, the stressed out leaders that know that they need to probably find some time to be more reflective and integrate more creativity, imagination, maybe some writing. What would what would some of your advice be? I think my top advice would be to realize that however you found your way to the chair you're in, um, the world needs you. Um, sometimes we are in the middle of building a business that's producing products and profits and all the stress of that. And, and it's, those are important things, but the truth is you have an outsized influence in this world. And if you can wake up in the morning, remember that, um, you're not just creating widgets or software, or whatever it is that you're creating. You're also creating lives. Um, you are supporting lives and your own life. And I feel that coming going back to your work with that understanding will often help you then prioritize 
I need to take care of my inner self because that's what makes me show up best in the world. And I really, I really love business leaders who understand their role um, as as a, as agents of change, um, as agents bringing more joy and um, abundance in the world. I love I love the fact that you're in the position you're in. Well, I love the way you express that. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, would love for people to know the best way to reach out to you or follow the work that you're doing. So what's the best way? Well, let's see. My own personal is jacobnordby.com. And there you'll find the journaling um, program that I mentioned. You can download the whole thing at no cost. And if you want to take a look at the um, writing community we're building, that's awritingroom.com with Anne Lamott and Julia and different ones. And um, that is that is a work of passion, but also such joy to watch it flowering like that. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed being a part of it through the the um, experience that I've had so far. So appreciate your influence there. And again, thank you so much for sharing some insights today that I think will really help leaders become more empowered and be the creative force that they need to be. So thank you for our conversation today. Thank you, Gail. And thanks for the work you're doing. I, I love that you're out there helping people realign with their North Star. I'm trying. Well, and thanks to everyone else who's listening. I hope that you have a great rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.